Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Front with his hat turned backwards. Giving him some love today. Caleb works in our children's ministry with twos and threes. Is that right? With two and three-year-olds every week. And we just, we love him. We just need to see the way that he's developed into a young man. And uh, his story's not done. You know, he's, he's on the beginning end of it. And, he, and you know what we're here to tell you this morning? Even though he's a young guy and his story's not done, even if you're an old guy like present company, my story's not done and your story's not done either. And God has a really amazing plan for your life if you submit to and will learn how to follow Him. I want to invite your attention to the book of Joshua. This is our last week in this series called Beautiful Scars. And really right off of what Caleb was speaking to us about this morning, I want to talk to you today about overcoming obstacles. I don't think any of us can go through life where things are really, really easy and there's no obstacles. I don't even think that's possible. Uh, unfortunately, some of our obstacles that we face are self-inflicted. Uh, we make a lot of mistakes. I know probably the biggest challenges that I've faced in my life, uh, even though that I've been through stuff too, have been the challenges that I've had to face because of mistakes that I've made. Anybody else relate to that? You know, it's self-inflicted obstacles. That's kind of that's, that's been my story uh, in my life too. But there's, there's just this thing. We love to hear those stories. Uh, anybody watch the Women's World Cup beat France this week? Anybody watch soccer? Three people. I watched. I, I, I was watching just because of my friend Mish Hooten is a soccer girl. And I have girls. And I love that the girls team does so good. We were watching that. I love those international uh, kind of sporting events like them, uh, like, like uh, the, the, the soccer um, with the World Cup. I love watching Olympics. And I love to watch the human interest stories of athletes that overcame a lot of stuff. You know, athletes that maybe had humble beginnings or didn't really have health that would lead them into believing they could be a professional or that caliber of an athlete someday. And we've seen a lot of people in our country that have had lots and lots of influence that are, that are uh, historical people that are really part of the fabric of our culture that have overcome some amazing things. People like Walt Disney, everybody thought Walt Disney was crazy, but Walt Disney, one of the things that he overcame in his life was poverty uh, that he grew up in to become one of the most uh, well-known names in our country uh, for what he created, the Walt Disney Empire. Uh, Oprah Winfrey, uh, you know, I don't know where you are with Oprah Winfrey. I have a lot of respect for her because of all that she overcame with not only poverty but, but personal uh, abuse uh, that she had to put up with when she was growing up. Uh, Winston Churchill, one of the things you'll know, uh, not our country, but part of our country's story with World War II, uh, one of the most famous things that Winston Churchill did was the speeches uh, that he gave to Parliament and his country. But this guy, who was known for his speeches, was born with a terrible speech impediment, and people told him he would never have that kind of a job or have that kind of leadership when he was growing up. And he also had learning disabilities. Uh, A woman like Helen Keller, who didn't have any sight or hearing, has had such an influence on our education system. I've got to throw some shout-out to Benjamin Franklin because he's a Philadelphia boy, you know. Uh, Benjamin Franklin grew up in terrible, terrible poverty. 
uh, to become an internationally known, not only inventor, but helped uh, put the blueprint together for our country and the Constitution and our early documents. Franklin Roosevelt, one of our more famous presidents, uh, overcame polio and paralysis to lead our country through some very dark times uh, during World War II. And Abraham Lincoln, right, probably one of the most iconic presidents in the United States, suffered from chronic depression. He had a loss of a child he dealt with. His marriage wasn't a great marriage. Uh, but he overcame all those things to become a leader that's, that's talked about not only in our country, but a leader that's talked about all over the world. And those stories that, that we read about, about overcoming obstacles, I think for a lot of folks, they hear those stories and they say, man, that worked for them, but how's that going to work for me? You know, I didn't get a break, or nobody came to my aid, or, or God doesn't see me and understand the plight of my life and the things that I'm going through. And I'm just dealing with all kind of walls that don't even seem possible that I can get over on the other side of. And I don't know where you stand in your life with your challenges or what kind of obstacles you face today. But the fact is we all face obstacles. Some of those obstacles are bigger than life. And here's the truth. Even obstacles that seem small to other people are pretty significant in your life this morning. I like when... Uh, I, I, I don't want to say I like it, but I think it's ironic, uh, as, as I'm kind of getting older, the things that seemed like they were bigger than life problems to me when I was a teenager, uh, I have to be careful not to look down on those things, because I feel that my problems are so much bigger and greater today, right? Like my big problem when I was in high school was, uh, I fell in love with this girl who's not in the auditorium right now, and I didn't know how to get her attention. And then my biggest problem was she dated my best friend before she dated me. And that was an obstacle that I had to overcome. Yes, my wife did, dated my best friend before she dated me. And then to make matters worse, she dated my brother after she dated my best friend before she dated me. That was an obstacle, right? But, you know, we, we, I laugh at that today, but that may be something very real that some of our students are dealing with, relationships, right? And, and, and finding, you know, somebody you want to date or the pressures of dating and that, that's real life, real time stuff for a lot of people. As a 52-year-old guy, I laugh at it today. But I wasn't laughing when I was 16, you know. Uh, physical challenges that I've had in my life. Uh, learning challenges that I've had in my life. Dealing with those things at that time in real time. They were really, and you know what they were hard to do? They were hard to talk about. I don't like talking about me being, I don't like talking about me being weak today at my age. And I think sometimes the obstacles that we face are difficult for us to go through because sometimes we don't even like to communicate or take it to somebody and say, hey, listen, I'm having trouble with you fill in the, you fill in the blank. I'm having trouble with my marriage. You know, if you tell somebody you're having trouble with your marriage, you think people may start looking at you differently or think that you're one of those people with a jacked-up marriage. Or if you, you're a guy you know, and you're struggling with your identity or 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 Maybe you're, you're struggling with your computer, or maybe you're struggling with your device, or maybe you're struggling with your thought life. If you admit that to somebody, you're admitting that you're weak. And, man, we don't want to admit when we're weak, right? Now, maybe, ladies, maybe you're dealing with some of those kind of things, too, with, with your marriage or with your kids or with your identity or with your calling, and you're kind of going through that. And when we talk about it, we let our guard down, and, and, and sometimes we don't want to be vulnerable 
to learn how we can be better in those areas because then we're admitting that we're weak and we really can't do it. I want to talk to you about a guy who really overcame a really cool obstacle in Joshua uh, chapter 6. His name was Joshua. And I'm going to read this story to you. Um, Joshua chapter 6. I'm going to start in verse number 1 and go down to verse number 21. The Bible says, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went in and no one, no one went out. Nobody came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Joshua was communicating with the Lord, and the Lord spoke back to him, and he said, I've delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all of the armed men and do it for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets and ram's horns in the front of the ark, the ark of the covenant. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound the long blast of the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout, then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up and everybody straight in. And Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpet in front of it. And he ordered the army, advance, march around the city, and an armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken this to the people, the seven priests carried the seven trumpets before the Lord, uh, went forward blowing their trumpets, and the Ark of the, of the Lord's Covenant followed them. The armed guard marched around the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All of this time, the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word until I tell you to shout and then shout. So he had the ark carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to camp, spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning. The priest took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carried the seven trumpets forward marching before the ark of the Lord, blowing the trumpets. The armed men went around them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army to shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it will be destroyed to the Lord, will be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute, all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies that we sent. But, uh, but keep away from the devoted things so that you will not uh, bring them about on your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make... Uh, the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everybody charged in, and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with a sword every living thing in it, men and women, young and old, cattle and sheep, and donkeys. I think it's interesting. You say, man, that passage of scripture was very redundant. They said like the same thing like three or four times in a row, right? Uh, Joshua was told by the Lord, take your guys, 
march around the city. He told them where to put the Ark of the Covenant, which was a physical representation of God's presence with them. He told all the armed guards, right? He said, you guys just follow them. Don't do anything but follow them. We're going to blow the trumpets, and then we're going to go on a, on a Jesus march, I guess, or a God march, and we're going to march around the city one time. Then you're going to do it again the second day. Then you're going to do it the third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day. But on the seventh day, it's going to be a little different. We're going to march around the city seven times. And on that seventh time, when we make that seventh lap, we're going to stop and we're going to shout as long as you can. Now, there's some interesting things in that story because you read in that story that there were armed guards. He didn't need the armed guards. Uh, what they needed was God's presence and God's blessing because the army uh, of the living God, God was fighting on their behalf. And God had this victory planned out for them. And God knew how Joshua was going to overcome that obstacle. You know, I love the detail of that because it says over and over again, you had the armed guards, but we didn't need the armed guards. They marched around the city. Can you imagine the people of Jericho watching these people walk around their city, just watching them saying, man, what are these people doing? This is how they're going to beat us? They're just going to blow a trumpet and they're going to shout and that's going to be it? And then on the seventh day, you know what happened? The walls of Jericho went in. They fell in. Everybody died except Rahab and her family. And they took the city that day because God overcame that wall and overcame that obstacle in Joshua's life and, and in the lives of the children of Israel. So when we face obstacles in our life, right, what do we do? Do we, do we, do we march around them seven times, right, or, or, and just give a shout? We're reading, I'm reading a book with some guys in the church called um, The Prayer Circle, right? What is it called again? Circle Maker. I'm sorry, it's called The Circle Maker. And this book, The Circle Maker, talks about some of this, and it talks about how um, God wants us to claim things in prayer and believe that he's going to do a work that we can't do on our own. And it's a really good book. It's a lot more to it than that. But it's this principle of us totally depending on God. Peter says this in, in one of his epistles in the New Testament, casting all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Uh, we had that time of prayer this morning, and sometimes when people ask me to pray for them, I'm very, very glad to do it, and I will pray for you. And I look at our prayer page daily, and I pray for every one of those prayers. Most of the time when people say to me, hey, pastor, can you pray, and they'll tell me what their prayer request is, I'll grab, even if it's out in the middle of the hallway, I'll grab you by the arm and pray for you right then because I don't want to forget to pray for you later after I told you I would pray for you. So I would just rather pray for you than to forget that I told you to prayer. I have issues. Please forgive me, okay? But sometimes, I'm just going to, in the flesh a little bit, maybe it's my weakness, sometimes I wish I could do more than pray. You know what I'm saying? Uh, moms and dads, you know what I'm talking about. When your kids are going through stuff that you want to what? Fix, arrange, make right with them somehow. Uh, you know, uh, get in there and kind of do that mom and dad thing and just get everything worked out. Maybe it's a little bit of money. Maybe it's a little bit of influence. Maybe it's a little bit of your time. We just, we want to do physically what we can do. And in this passage of Scripture, Joshua learned that the first way to overcome an obstacle is with communicating with God through prayer. The effective, fervent prayer, the book of James says, of a righteous man, it says, availeth much, it means this, it means a lot. And it's almost like God is allowing us to go through some of the things that we go through, deal with some of the obstacles that we have to deal with so that he can draw us close to him. 
I, I think my prayers, my personal prayer life, does a lot better when I'm going through a difficult time than it does maybe in a time of plenty. I don't even know if that makes sense to you. But I just, I find myself praying a lot more when things are hard than when things are easy. And listen, I don't, I, I don't know if I've had too much easy, easy time. I've raised four daughters, you know, so there was lots of crying and weeping and gnashing of teeth and emotions and, and crying. Listen, I have two of my four girls will cry on TV commercials sometimes. The level of sensitivity and femaleness in my home is very, very, very high. You know, and I needed God to help me with that because I had to beat my head up against a wall when they were going, what, junior high school. I hath not seen nor ear hath heard the fury a parent will go through in junior high. Can I get an amen, parents? Woo, man, that time when your bodies are changing and your voice is changing. And then dads of girls, you're with me on this. When you see your girl look at a guy for the first time and go, oh, he's cute. You want to kill him and every part of his family when you hear stuff like that, right? And it's, it's, it's this idea of God is allowing us to go through things in our lives so that we're what? We're drawn to him. We depend on him. We need him. God wants us to know that he is there for us. But I think sometimes maybe it's pride. Maybe it's a lack of humility. Maybe it's a lack of, 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 of your I don't know, personal time with God. I, I don't know what it would be for you. I know what happens in my life when I don't pray as much as I should. Maybe it's a time when, when we think that we can handle it. Did you ever talk to somebody going through stuff and they, and they start to share with you their burden? Well, you know, I'm going through this thing with my marriage and, you know, and, you know things are kind of tough and me and my wife aren't and me and my husband aren't, you know, communicating good. But you know what? We're going to get through it because we can handle it. Maybe you're not meant to handle it by yourself. Maybe you're not meant to handle some of the parenting challenges you go through by yourself. Maybe Gary wasn't meant to have the challenges that him and Tara dealt with uh, this week at camp by themselves. The first time they left their daughter for a few days overnight like that. That's a big deal. But, you know, Super Roberta came in, flying in like the superhero grandma that she is for Tara's mama, and had her time with Lou this week, right, which was wonderful. That, that they have family for that. But that's hard. And it's a lot of stuff that stirs inside you when you go through that. And you know what? It's amazing how when we feel like we're getting ready to toss in the towel, I can't do this anymore, that God says, good. Now I'm ready to show you something really cool. Because that's what he did. And it, all that repetitiveness that you read in that story, marching around the city, the priests are here, the Ark of the Covenant's here, the, the army guys are here over and over. I know you hear this thing five or six times in the story. Why was God telling us so? He could have just said all that in one verse and cut my Tuesday Bible reading in half, right? Because I would have got the point the first time. But I think what the Lord is telling us that God listens to our prayers. He answers our prayers. And he will work in and through you if, number two, and this is the hard part for most of us, if we submit to God. I want to tell you, this word submit is very counterculture today. Very counterculture. Uh, I remember hearing uh, messages growing up in church in that book of Ephesians where it talked about the men's relationship with the wife and the wife relationship with the husband. And, and people would say, wives, submit to your husbands. And you know, the preacher would kind of yell on that part. 
and then you'd see some of the women go, mmm, and the guys are going, amen, you know, that kind of a weird thing, right? Totally misunderstanding what that passage of Scripture meant, taking one little piece and expounding on it, forgetting the rest of it, because the principle is this. We are called to, commanded to, required to, if we're going to have a relationship with God that honors him, submit to God. Now, I don't think anybody would say, I don't agree with that. I don't think God, listen, it's pretty plain and clear throughout God's word. If we submit to him, he'll bless us, he'll honor us, he'll work in our lives in a way that's unimaginable. But the actual idea of submitting, the actual idea of surrendering, the actual idea of saying the prayer that Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross of Calvary to pay for my sins and yours, not my will be done, but thy will be done. That's a hard thing to say to God because we all have things that we want to do the way that we want to do them. You know how I would like God to work in my life? God, this is what I want to do. This is how I'm going to do it. Will you carve the path and sprinkle Jesus' pixie dust on me and bless the things that I want to do? That's how I live sometimes, and I think you can relate to that. Oh, this is what I want to do. Now, I understand that verse in the book of Proverbs. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. But don't take that out of context. Delighting yourself in the Lord means that you're submitted to him, that you're following him, that you are attempting, you're not going to be perfect at it, to live your life in a way that honors and glorifies him. Submitting is hard. We don't like to submit to authority. You know, we kind of get this thing. Um, I saw something on Facebook this week. This guy's kind of a conspiracy theorist when it comes to law enforcement. And he has this whole, he got pulled over, and he knew his rights, and he was giving the police officer a hard time, and it was really, and, and the whole, the, the, the premise of the video was, uh, you know, know your rights as a, know your rights as a, as a citizen, know your rights as this, know your rights as this. And I'm going to tell you, you know what most people know in the United States today? Their rights over their responsibilities. We have a responsibility to live in a way, not only in our culture, right, in our communities. We, there's some things we have to do. We have to drive 15 miles an hour through a school zone, even if you're late for work, which is probably your own fault. Then we get mad, right? Oh, why today are they pulling me over today? You know, and then you start thinking, oh, I'm working today for nothing because I'm going to get a $250 ticket. And then we get mad at that when the fact is if we would have woke up a little earlier, taking care of things we were supposed to take care of because, you know, when we have an emergency, we want our emergency to be everybody else's emergency, and, 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 and we kind of project our issues and project our problems. Well, you don't understand what I'm going through. Well, guess what? You're not the only one going through something. And, you know, when you know your rights, well, I have a right to this. Well, I have a right to this. Well, I have a right to this. Listen, when you are a child of God, of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, you do not belong to yourself anymore, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians. My body doesn't belong to Ed Trinkle. My body belongs to Jesus Christ who did this, paid for it. He paid for my life. He paid for my eternity by dying on the cross for my sins. You know what? God, my creator, Jesus, my savior, has every right to tell me what to do, even when it doesn't make sense to me. It made a little bit of sense to Joshua. Joshua was 80. 
Now, Joshua was a young 80. If you read the book of Joshua, Joshua was not only a young 80, but his, his, his buddy, his kind of partner, Caleb, he was a young dude too. Because all the way back when, when in the Old Testament, there's a story where 12 spies were sent into the promised land. 10 spies came back and said, we can't do it, we can't do it. They're bigger than us, they're stronger than us, they're this, they're this, they're this. And Joshua and Caleb, two of those spies said, we could kick these guys' butts because we are a part of the army of the living God. God's going to carve the way for us. But sure enough, the children of Israel said, no way, Jose. And they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years, everybody except Joshua and Caleb. And Joshua came back, Caleb came back to Joshua later on in the book of Joshua and said, hey, listen, remember the promises that, that God made me if I stayed faithful? Remember this? Remember, okay, I'm ready for my land now because I've kept the promise. And Joshua, was a, Joshua and Caleb were as strong when they were 80 as they were when they were 40. How many of you want that this morning? Raise your hand up in the air. I do. I want to be a strong. I want to be stronger at 80 than when I was when I was 40. I won't get into my health. But I, that's what I want for my life, and I'm trying to work towards that. But Joshua understood it as a wise man. I, you, know, you know what's great about Joshua being 80? He has this 80 years of life wisdom. If you're fortunate enough, guys and gals in our student ministry, if you're fortunate enough to have somebody in your life that's a little bit older and maybe has my, now this, this is not natural platinum. I've dyed my hair platinum because I think it's a cool look. It's normally as dark as your hair. But if you have somebody in your life with silver hair, gray hair, it's a little bit older than you, you will do very well just to listen. They may not be right all the time because I know I'm not right all the time. Don't say Amen. But it's, you'll be very gifted, uh, you'll be very, very blessed to have somebody a little bit older than you pouring into your life. It's really a neat thing. Joshua not only was close to God, he was God's leader. But Joshua had the experience of leaving Egypt and crossing through uh, the Jordan or, or crossing over the river on dry ground. He was there. He saw the, the plagues. He was there for the manna coming down from heaven. He was there for the water coming out of the rock. He was there when the quail were delivered so they could eat meat because they were complaining. Joshua saw all these things so that when God told Joshua, here's how it's going to work, Joshua knew that God that took them across dry land, uh, through, through, uh, on, uh, over dry land through a lake or a river, the God that delivered food, the God that took care of every obstacle that Joshua saw for the nation of Israel to leave Egypt, not as slaves, but as God's people, Joshua had that experience and when God said to him, here's how you're going to win your first battle. You're going to march around that city seven days one time, six days once, and on the seventh day seven times, and I'm going to deliver that thing. So you know what Joshua said? We got to go get it. You know what Joshua did? He submitted to God. I wonder how many of us this morning still have obstacles in our lives because we are afraid or we're too prideful to submit to God. Well, I know God wants me to do this. But, I know God's leading me to do this, but, and I'm not saying this from an exercise standpoint, but we need to get rid of our big butts. Somebody say amen to that, right? Because we do, we but God, but God, but God. Moses said that in, in Exodus chapter 2. 
Moses, you're going to do this, 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 and this. And Moses had never seen anything like that. And the only thing Moses said in Exodus chapter 2 over and over again, but God, I can't. But God, I'm not good enough. But God, I'm slow of speech. But God, I'm this. But God, I'm this. But God, it's impossible. And the Bible tells us in Matthew 19, verse number 26, with God, all things are possible. We need to pray. We need to submit to God. And then we need to understand that through Him, through Him, we can overcome obstacles that are in our lives. You see, here's the truth, church. The, the task that Joshua was asked to do was impossible for man. Uh, the task that Caleb had to overcome in his life. I like that one line. He said, I went back to that familiar place, the only place. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it exactly, but I think you understand what I'm saying. I went back to that place that I'm familiar with, of the drugs and the alcohol, because that's what he was exposed to, because that's what he understood. That's what he related to, and he, and, he, and he thought, well, if I go there, maybe some things will work out a little bit different. He knew that would only make things worse. And then when he submitted to God, he started to overcome some of those challenges that were seemingly generational in his life. And God's doing a great work in his life today. But it's impossible for him to do that alone. It's impossible for me to do it alone. It's impossible for you to overcome some of the obstacles that are in your life alone. The way that God told Joshua to overcome that wall made absolutely no sense at all. And I want to tell you something. If you're going to start putting your faith and your trust in God for today, your faith and trust in God for tomorrow, He's going to lead you to do some things sometimes that make no sense. Listen to me now. Humanly speaking. Humanly speaking. Because we're not called to be like everybody else. We're not called to be normal or just status quo. We're called as, as children of God to, to believe that with all things all, with, with God, all things are possible. We're called to believe as children of God, Ephesians 3.20, where it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundant above all that we could ask or believe according to God's power that works in us. God wants to do something amazing in your life and help you with those, with those obstacles you have, but you have to pray and submit and believe that will only happen through him. When God did, and this is the most wonderful part of that story, the repetitiveness of, of what they had to do, the, the, the victory of that story. This, this isn't a parable. This is part of, uh, of Israel history. This is something that happened early in the nation of Israel. A day just like today, those walls came tumbling down. And the reason that God chose to do it this way was this. When God does what he does, everybody knows it's God. When God does something amazing in your life, it's not so people will say, you're the man, you're the man, you're unbelievable, you're gifted, you're talented, you're a man of faith, you're a woman of faith, you're close to God, you're strong to God, you have favor with God. Man, when I read through the Bible, God uses, and I love this about the Word of God, God uses some messed up people that should have never, should have never, should have never. Have you ever had anybody in your life say, you will never? You can't do that. I had a teacher tell me one time, he put me up against the wall. It was kind of funny. Today it's funny. Mm. I was a big kid. I remember, I've told you this story before. I remember in junior high school, we had every, remember years and years ago before insecurity and, and, 
and, and, and you know, self-awareness and all that happened. You, you, you would get your inoculations at school. So any, anybody old enough to remember that? You get some of those at school. And like on the first day of school, the first week of school, they would measure you and weigh you in front of your whole class. Does anybody remember that day? Does anybody have PST, uh, PTSD because of that like I do? I do. I remember lining up, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to get on a scale. Haven't been on a scale since last year. I'm feeling a little bulkier, right? And it was a junior high, and I got on the scale, and they said uh, five foot, whatever I was, you know, like five eight, five ten, something like that. And and the and the gym teacher, God love his heart, jerk, says this. Wow, this is the first kid in the history of our school that's ever weighed over two hundred pounds. And I just looked at him, and I was like, Yeah, it's uh, yeah, I'm up two hundred pounds. I'm two hundred pounds, you know. <laughs> you know, and I walked away dejected because I had another teacher tell me one time, I know exactly what's going to happen to you when you're my age. Now, I've already surpassed his age, so I'm allowed to tell the story now. You're going to be in prison for the rest of your life because you are a punk. You are never going to amount to anything. You've heard people say stuff like that to you? You remember that stuff. You don't remember when people tell your hair look good or they like your shoes. But, man, you remember that stuff that's in there that, that people just, the venom, very, very, very well. And God's bigger than all that stuff. God, just like we talked about with Gideon a couple weeks ago, God wants you to discover the you that he already knows. I love that line. I stole it. It's really good, though. He wants you to discover the you that he already knows is there. The world will tell you the way to become successful and to overcome obstacles in your life. I read these five steps or five ways that successful people overcome challenges. Number one, don't give up. Number two, don't make comparisons. Number three, stay positive. Number four, find new solutions for old problems. Number five, set smart goals. Smart goals are S for smart, M for measurable, A for attainable, R for realistic, and T for timely. And they're good things. I know that there's some great principles in God's word about him rewarding good work and him rewarding faithfulness and him rewarding you exercising your gifts. And you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But those obstacles in your life that are much, much higher, taller, more impossible to get, God wants you to say, lean on me. I'm going to help you get through that stuff because I'm the God that does impossible things. And he wants something impossible in your life to seem possible to him. So I'm going to ask you this question we'll pray. How many of you understand Caleb's story? How many of you have that story in your life where you have some insurmountable, impossible things in front of you that just don't make sense? Let's pray together. Let's submit it to God. Let's ask him to do what we can't do on our own. And then, you know, just start to learn, wow, the more I depend on God, the more he works through me, and the more people say, wow, that didn't even seem possible, then we could say, instead of saying, but God, to him, when people give us praise, we'll say, no, but God. But God did something in me that wasn't possible. And we give him the honor and glory for doing that. Trust him to do the impossible in your life today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for Caleb's testimony. Thank you for the work that you're doing in this young man's life. And Lord, we'll say easily, because I'm a 50-some-year-old guy and he's a young 20s guy, it's easy for me to say that work is not finished in him yet. 
but he who began a good work in me is going to be faithful to complete it. That work's real in my life today. I'm not done. There's some moms and dads in here that think it's too late for them. They're not done. There's some women in this room that that think it's impossible for me to find a good husband or to find a great job or to find that purpose that that I'm looking for. There's some men in this room that feel the same way. It's just not possible for me. Boy, I'll tell you what, Satan really likes to remind us of how we are um, fallible or not good enough. He speaks that into my life very, very often. You shouldn't, you can't, you're not, he isn't, they're not, he won't, she doesn't. That's Satan's language. God wants to change your language of belief. He wants you to learn what it means to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ. Did you hear what I said? I can do all things through through Christ. Would you repeat that with me? I can do all things through Christ. Say it louder. Come on, say it louder one more time. Now say it like you believe it. I can do all things through Christ. If it's going to be through Him, you need to talk to Him and say, Father, forgive me for depending on myself. Father, forgive me because I've got some sin in my life I need to make right with you. And you confess those sins to him. Because when you do, he is faithful and just and will forgive you of those sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you've got a big mountain, a big wall that you can't see over, maybe it's debt, maybe it's sin, maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's a hang-up, maybe it's a hurt, maybe it's a self-inflicted hurt, maybe it's an others-inflicted hurt. And that wall seems way, way, well, I'll never, I'll never be able to do that. I'll never be able to do that. God says, you're right, but I can do it. And I want to do it through you. Give him that obstacle this morning. If it's a relationship obstacle, pray, God, heal my marriage. Help me to forgive. Help her to forgive. God, heal my kids. Help them to see Jesus in me. God, heal this, this, this illness that that, that everybody says it is impossible. But I know with God all things are possible. God, help my finances. It doesn't even make sense right now. But I can do all things through Christ. Jesus, forgive us when we listen to Satan speak limitations into our life and help us, Father, to pray when that yucky stuff happens and we hear that, that nasty noise from him of can't and won't and shouldn't and didn't and couldn't. And help us to remember your word, which is faithful and true. Your word, which doesn't change. Your word, the only true truth that we can lean on in our life that doesn't change. And just grab those verses out of Scripture and claim them for ourselves. Delight myself in the Lord and he'll give me the desires of my heart. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. With God, all things are possible. 
I'm going to cast all my cares upon you because you care for me. Lord, my body belongs to you. My future belongs to you. My life belongs to you. And you want to work in and through me. I submit to you. I will follow you. I'll be the man or I'll be the woman that you've called him to be. Say that to him this morning. Just take this time and pray. Tell him what your burden is. Submit yourself to him. Obey him and let him work in and through you today. Just pray. Thank you, Father in heaven, for meeting with us today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for being faithful and true. Thank you for never leaving us or forsaking us. Thank you for never turning your back on us, even when we mess up real bad. Thank you for not being disappointed in us, but wanting something better for us. Thank you that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Thank you for being the God that does impossible things through very limited people. We claim that for our church, Lord. We claim that this church that shouldn't be here, that wasn't supposed to start, that isn't supposed to be overcoming, that what you've already started to be overcome, Lord, uh, that, that, that that mountain that's in front of us, that you'll take care of that, those obstacles that are in front of us, that you would clear the path, all for the sake of not a, not, not, not a financial goal that we have, but a spiritual goal that we have of influence in this community, in this state, in our country, and all over the world. We love you and we thank you, Lord Jesus, for being the God of impossible. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say it with me.